0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I mean, I don't know if there
1: is or not. I don't know. I I never thought about it. You know, maybe I'm off, but I don't know. Nothing comes to the forefront of my mind. You don't call them sinners? I I never thought about it, but I probably don't. Give us some men who know the truth, and who will declare the truth, and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio. With Todd Frio.
2: Welcome in, welcome in to another Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio as Todd and team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University. And before we head out and check in with them, I wanted to take a brief moment to ask you for a favor. If Witness Wednesday has ever been a benefit to you, if you have been able to pick up things over the years that help you along the way in your witness encounters, I would like to ask you to take a moment to visit wretched.org donate and consider becoming a gospel partner. Honestly, it is through the efforts of our gospel partners that Witness Wednesday is even possible. So would you do me that favor and prayerfully consider becoming a Wretched gospel partner? Okay, so thank you for allowing me that moment. Now, let's get out to the campus of Kennesaw State University and check in with Todd.
1: It is a good thing that we found Christopher because he's studying to become a nurse. And I've got this thing with my shoulder. Can you fix that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You're not a chiropractor. Don't touch me. Christopher, nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. You know what today is, don't you? Uh, Yes, I was just recently
3: told it is uh, 420. And what does that mean? I don't know the official title, but I know it has to do with the weed. <laughs> That's exactly
1: right. It is a celebration of the use of, medi- of of recreational marijuana. That's It's a celebration. Question for you, Christopher, do you believe from whatever your worldview is, your perspective, that it is good to celebrate the use of recreational marijuana? Not recreational, no. Why? I think that
3: from my worldview, um, I think that medical marijuana has a lot of beneficial uses. It's very helpful um, to people who have a lot of medical conditions. Um, But if we look at recreational marijuana and just my uncle's experience in Colorado and seeing um, kind of the effects, um, people just don't work very hard. Um, Industry slows down. I've worked a lot in the service industry and it's just kind of going down the tubes.
4: So.
1: It's not fast food anymore when people are celebrating 420. All right. But my question for you though, Christopher, I want to press in on your worldview. What why is that a problem? So people don't work as fast, maybe they don't make as much money. They enjoy themselves. What about your worldview says, you know what? That's just not a good justification for recreational marijuana. I don't think usually I usually I say words
3: out loud and then then I find out if I believe them. Um, it goes out the mouth in the ear and then I think about it, you know. we've we've all got processing issues. That's yours. So speak the words and let's see how it sounds. Let's see. Um, I don't think that when people use marijuana, it's, uh, as recreational, uh, for use it's as a way to avoid or distract ourselves from our own problems. Um, at least that's been what I've seen. Um, and I don't think that's, that's healthy. I don't think that that is beneficial. And I come from a Christian perspective and I don't think that that God wants us to just run from our problems, I think he wants to lean into those. And I think that recreational marijuana is just a way to avoid that. And there are different ways that people avoid problems. Uh, There's alcohol, there's marijuana, there's video games, there's porn, there's a ton of different ways. And it depends on how we use them. And I don't think, I don't think those things are necessarily, they, they can be all right, I suppose,
1: even porn. Well, that one I'm going to say, no. Uh, so that's where I say that one into your ear and decided not, that wouldn't be a good thing that correct.
3: Correct. Uh, that one, I think I can ubiquitously say is no, um, not beneficial to society, to people, alcohol. I think there's some flexibility there, but marijuana, I haven't, I'm, I'm not
1: totally sure, but I don't, I don't believe so. I want to dig deeper into your Christian worldview. You believe that it's not beneficial. You use the word beneficial. It's not good for people. And that that is, that is some sort of a rendering of a moral verdict about what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. How do you as a Christian find yourself able to say to me, pretty much a complete stranger, marijuana, recreational marijuana is wrong or it is not good? How do you do that from your worldview? I would say I haven't concretely
3: said it's wrong i think and i would only say that because i haven't put much thought into it i think the way that i come to see life has been very black and white of good bad and without justifying certain actions i think that there's a little more nuance to it for me i think it starts with if i do something and i'm like that just deep in my gut i know i'm like that's not that doesn't sound right. And to me, that is, um, as far as there's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit um, convicting me and saying,
1: Nope, Christopher, we don't want you doing this. Let me see if this sounds reasonable to you. If you and I are driving out on a country road and we're just tearing it up and there is just dust flying off of the street. It is a country road and we are just roaring through and there are no signs anyplace, no speed signs, no stop signs, no yield signs. And a farmer from the distance yells at us, slow down, you punks. He's determined that we're going too fast. But the question is, are we going too fast down that country road with no signs? And I think the answer to that would be no, we're not. His opinion is we're going too fast, but there is no authority that has determined going that fast is wrong. And what I'd like to do for a second, Christopher, is reason with you backwards. If you and I can look at the world and make some observations and clearly state those things are wrong, the only way that we can do that is if there is some sort of moral authority that has determined what is right or wrong. Otherwise, things like marijuana or pornography, for that matter, or rape or beating up small children, murder, would merely be our opinion or our preference. But because you and I, there's something inside of us that knows, you know, those things are wrong in all places at all times. That tells me there must be some sort of a moral law giver. Therefore, I intuit from morality that God exists. Your response to that? I think what you're getting at is truth with a
3: capital T, which to me, truth is immutable. There's no your truth, my truth. It it can't be different. People's
1: perspective of it can be different, I think. Okay. I have to tell you, you're very weird because that is not normal for somebody your age to say that. uh, I've thought thought a lot about it. But you know that you are living in a postmodern world and that statement would trigger somebody and be found offensive that you believe that there is actually truth with a capital T as opposed to a small t truth.
3: I think when I've talked with people, people who believe in small t truth, I have mentioned to them, I've said, okay, so you have your truth and you think that you have an idea of what is right and wrong. And we can either press into the, well, how did you get to there? Um, Which usually amounts to them circling back to something. Or I can just voice, and I've done this once, the Nazis had their truth. You can't contradict them. No, that's their truth. And then they say, I've had one guy say, nothing, just kind of been stumped. We were stuck in a car
1: ride, though, so he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, Um, Yeah, but I'm, I'm tracking with you. If society even gets together and determines gas camps, gas chambers are good to put for Jewish people or for black people or for gay people, Uh, despite their moral or their majority vote, we know it's still wrong. So would you say then, Christopher, you, you come up with your opinions and values not based on either your logic or reason, but based on what you think your God instructs? Is that a fair summation? I would say yes.
3: Um, I think as it relates to weed, I think that's, I look for in the Bible. What does it say? And here's where I haven't done a whole lot of research, but I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't clearly mention marijuana. Um, And so that's where I kind of want to
1: figure out the digging more. All right. So now here's where I'd like to go with you, Christopher. You've made it clear without being asked that you're a Christian that you believe, I presume, in God and the Bible. You mentioned the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't know me, but let's just say I walked up here, sat down next to you and said, Christopher, I would like you to persuade me, giving you full permission to say whatever you think is necessary, I won't be offended. I want you to persuade me to become a Christian. Go. I'd ask you first where you find your meaning in life,
3: where you find your source of joy. So antithetical to the way I work. And then I'd, but I'd ask where your source of joy is. And then I'd ask if I can share the gospel with you. I've got plenty of joy, but okay.
1: Not just plenty of joy, but like where? Where do you? Wife, kids, nice meals, trips, find a lot of joy. I'm content. It's a difficult question. <laughs> I think if I were to continue from
3: there, I would just move into the gospel.
2: Right. Well, how will Christopher, the rather abnormal Christian college student, continue to evangelize, Todd? Stay with us. We'll find out next. This is Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio.
1: You are a pro-life Christian, which is redundant, who happens to be frugal, which is unnecessary to point out because that's what we Christians are, frugal, and you would like to support a life ministry that stewards your money well. Some great news from pre-born ministries. They have saved 169,000 babies' lives. What is their secret? Ultrasounds. 80% of the time a woman sees her baby, she chooses life right now. Pre born has a matching grant $28 per ultrasound turns into two ultrasounds or for $140 you can sponsor five ultrasounds but because of the match you'll be saving 10 babies the ideal time for you to support a life ministry who's going to steward your money well to donate securely dial pound 250 and say the keyword
2: baby pound 250 keyword baby or visit preborn.org slash wretched Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like five, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store which coincidentally were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org. Donate.
1: This is me biting my tongue, introducing Paul Marty from Tomorrow Clubs. Communism so wreaked havoc in the countries where we work that they not only need
3: physical rebuilding, but they need spiritual rebuilding as well.
1: Mm, would love to offer a political commentary, but instead would like to encourage you to support your very own Tomorrow Club in eastern europe they are still feeling the ravages of communism and very few missionary organizations seem to find their way to the poorest of the poor nations in eastern europe tomorrow clubs does they teach the gospel to kids every week in kids clubs they meet in small poor villages where they share the gospel the kids get saved they bring the gospel home and moms and dads get saved please consider supporting your very own tomorrow club at tomorrowclub.org slash wretched
0: important dates in christian history 988 A.D. After examining several religions, Vladimir, Prince of Kiev, chooses Orthodox Christianity to unify and guide the Russian people. Even after a century of atheistic communist rule, Orthodoxy remains at the core of life in Eastern Europe to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I think if I were to
2: continue
3: from there... I would just move into the gospel.
2: Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio while Todd is out on the campus of Kennesaw State University talking currently with Christopher, a very pre-modern Christian college student, which is a rare find these days. And just before the break, Christopher was in the midst of evangelizing Todd. So let's listen in and see how the rest of this conversation plays out.
3: Go. It's... God loves us. He created every single one of us. He created you. He created your wife and your kids. And He knows you better than you know you. But sin came into the world and it divided us from God. And it's a division that I cannot cross, that you cannot cross, that your kids will never be able to cross. And God knew that. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, to die a horrible and brutal death on the cross for our sins. And then to move from death. And then through it to be resurrected to defeat death and say death is no more and i want to have a relationship with you and it's that belief that can help ground me when i'm full of joy but also depressed lonely uh, because we all go through seasons in life where that happens Um, but i want to go into nursing school as well and it's something where following christ i don't want to just have a cul-de-sac job. Um, or a job where I live in you know a nice cul de sac with my family and four kids. That's a nice life. It's great, but just because life is content doesn't mean life is good. And I've found that even when life is good, that it can still be empty. Um, and Christ brings that, and that's my experience. And I hope that uh, something
1: I said rings for you. All right. So let me. Respond again. I actually really, really dig living in a cul-de-sac. Great neighbors, great backyard barbecues. It is so good. I, I'm glad you found your thing, but I've already got my joy and contentment. So I guess I'm not quite interested yet. I, I don't know. I think you do know the answer to that conundrum maybe it just needs to rattle around a bit but i do think you know it let's start from how i
3: normally work which is i interact with someone on campus and i hang out with them And i'm their friend and i'm not trying to just convert them and one day i'm like hey man can we have a spiritual conversation um or they bring it up that's normally how i work It's very when I'm talking to people, it's very difficult. I think, especially in America, it's very um, it's very difficult to convince somebody
1: of their need for God or Savior. Because a lot of people live in cul-de-sacs and life is good. Let me suggest this, Christopher. The issue in Christianity is not an issue of joy or fulfillment or purpose or happiness. It's not the issue. The issue is righteousness and holiness and justice. See, I think you know the answer to this, right? Where we, I, I said joy, and now, now I'm like, oh, joy was the wrong track. Yeah. <laughs> I said it, and then we've thought about it. So my, the issue, because I can be completely content and die a happy death, having lived a well-lived life, but that does not solve my sin problem. That doesn't resolve my lack of righteousness that I would have for God. And if justice is indeed a concept that we recognize as something that is universal and even eternal, I don't have any way to stand before a holy God and be found just. I think that's the issue rather than contentment and fulfillment. So then what would you say to the person, though, who doesn't believe that they're doing anything wrong. That's that's very true. Here's what the Bible tells me, that our conscience, Romans chapter two says that our conscience, that the law of God is written on our hearts. Our consciences bear witness. We just have an internal sense of right and wrong. It's built into our noggins. We know that certain things are wrong. And then Paul said that the law of God brings about the knowledge of sin. It silences the mouth and it brings the whole world guilty before God, like a schoolmaster that would grab a petulant child by the ear and bring him to his desk to do his lessons. That's what the law of God accomplishes. Paul said, I had not known sin, but by the law. So to help people understand their law breaking, we need to open up the moral laws of God. And Paul actually did that in Romans chapter two without being offensive, because if I walk up to somebody and go, so um, you ever beat anybody up? You're bad. Um, Did you ever lie? You're terrible. Did you ever? That's just accusatory. And Paul doesn't do that. Instead, he asks questions. So if I were going to try to persuade somebody that they were a sinner, I would ask questions like, Christopher, have you ever told lies? Yes. So what would that make you if you tell lies? That would
3: make me a liar.
1: Ever stolen anything? Yes. And that would make you a? A thief. Correct, sir. Thank you for not saying stealer. All right. Have you ever looked with lust? Yes. Jesus said that's adultery of the heart. So here's what we got, Christopher. Uh, The two of us sitting here are lying, thieving, adulterers at heart. Let's not forget hating your brother is murder. So, murder. Well done. Well played. Thanks for helping me to persuade you that you're a sinner. By asking questions, we're not accusing, we're just helping the individual understand what they really know inside, to awaken their conscience so that they see their need for a Savior. Does a Christian get joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment and purpose? Absolutely. But those are ancillary. Those are, those are effects or benefits of the gospel. The gospel boiled down is Jesus died for sinners. That's the issue. The benefits, the results include those things. But if we offer the benefits... To the individual, they're going to come for the wrong reason. They're going to come seeking the benefits and not the provider of those good gifts. And they're going to miss what salvation is really about, coming to Jesus Christ because he's the savior of your soul. That would be how I might make the issue about righteousness and justice and bring about the knowledge of sin. That is uh, well practiced. Done it before, I figured. (laughs) (laughs) You should have heard me the first time. It was a dog's breakfast. It was a complete hash. But what really helps, though, if you're trying to share your faith with somebody, is if you just remember the gospel is really about forgiveness of sins, to lovingly come alongside of somebody and help them to understand you're just like them. You're a sinner, too, in need of the same gift of grace and mercy. And God provides it in his son. It just kind of keeps you on track and doesn't make the issue the wrong thing. So last question for you. We've got a theological exam going on now, Christopher. I'm that stranger again, sitting on the chair next to you, and I have agreed with you. You're right. I'm, I'm a sinner. I get that. What must I do to be forgiven? That word do is, you put emphasis on it. <laughs> what must happen for me
3: to be forgiven? I think we can go for the, oh, you just need to pray a sinner's prayer, but it's Saying those words doesn't make you uh, absolved of sin. It's the understanding of the need of a savior. People, people in Papua New Guinea with no idea of the sinner's prayer can do the same thing. And it's an understanding of a need of a savior to help. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought.
1: I need forgiveness. How does it happen? You said it's not enough to just recite some form of a prayer. What is it then? it's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. How does that happen? And I know, you know, the answer to this.
3: And here's where I want to like, it's not just saying words of a prayer, but praying is beneficial. And so I would start with prayer, um, and going and praying Lord, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I need you to do, uh, what I cannot, um, help me to not be, uh, liar, thief, adulterer, murderer. And I think it starts there and reading the Bible, but it's, it's more than just the actions of reading every day for five minutes. Like that's not the heart behind it. I think God wants the heart. He doesn't want the actions. And, um, I think that's, it's one of the Psalms. Um, 51, I think is, uh, David's just sinned. And he says, I know you don't want sacrifices. You want a broken and contrite heart. And that, I think, is what we start with. We offer that.
1: How's about summation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I applaud that distinction about what belief is. It's not just kind of mumbling some words as if it's some sort of code to get into the kingdom. It's more of a dying to self and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Like you'd put your trust on a parachute. You don't just say a prayer to the parachute. You put it on. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. You believe in him with your being as opposed to mere mental assent. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. You
2: know, of course, this is Witness Wednesday, but these encounters with Christians like Christopher are just as vital for us to hear as the encounters with unbelievers. We have the opportunity to listen to two believers speak and sharpen one another. We learn and grow as they, too, learn and grow. But this chat with Todd and Christopher, it's not over yet. We have more coming up next. It's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. So, a 26-year-old child molester who has decided to become a woman was given a slap on the wrist, basically, and then was recorded on jailhouse phone calls bragging about it. And this is the same child molester we told you about a couple of weeks back that wasn't tried as an adult because he was just two weeks shy of his 18th birthday when the molesting happened. This is an absolutely disgusting case where no one is being held accountable, and a 10 year old victim is basically being victimized all over again because this guy wants to wear a dress. And on Monday of this week, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to take up a major religious liberty case. Can states force Christian businesses to promote same sex weddings? The issue involves a Colorado law that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation. A Christian web designer is at the center of the case, and the Alliance Defending Freedom is representing that web designer. Last week in South Dakota, the state house passed a bill that would ban the sale of the abortion pill that has killed millions of unborn babies and injured countless thousands of women. The bill amends a previously passed measure by detailing the definition of chemical abortion drugs to include alternate use of those medications because you have some doctors, you can't see my air quotes, but you have some doctors who try to prescribe banned abortion drugs for other phantom issues. The Christian watchdog Voice of the Martyrs is warning that the Chinese Communist government is attempting to rewrite the Bible so that it aligns with Communist values. And that's certainly not information that should shock any of us, but cause us to pray for China, pray for our brothers and sisters living there facing intense persecution, but also pray for those in the Communist Party making these decisions. And a tragic example of persecution out of Nigeria, a 34-year-old Christian evangelist attending the funeral of his recently deceased grandfather was beaten and tied up to be burned alive by Muslim relatives earlier this month. Visiting with his uncle after the funeral, the evangelist says his uncle accused him of embarrassing his family by having debates with Muslims and having open-air Christian meetings. Though he was beaten and tied up to be burned alive, a friend of the evangelist located him, and he was able to escape. And this is just one of the many incidents happening all over the world Every single day. Please make sure that you are praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, get straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah preached judgment and repentance to Judah for more than 40 years. He was mocked, beaten, and imprisoned. But in the end, God's judgment came upon Judah. When you hold fast to the word of God, you will be heartbroken, mocked, and even persecuted. But let Jeremiah remind you that every word of God will
2: prove true.
0: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome
2: back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio while Todd and the team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University where Todd has been having a nice chat with the pre-modern Christian college student, Christopher. Christopher. And they aren't finished chatting just yet. Let's get back out to the campus now. Can we go back to Papua New Guinea for a minute?
1: Sure. I just threw that out. It's okay. I want to ask a qualifying question if you'd let me. And thanks for your patience. You said that somebody in Papua New Guinea who's never heard of the sinner's prayer, that they can get this too. What exactly did you mean by that? Well, if you said the law is written on our consciences and hearts. I think Paul also says
3: that men are without excuse that we can be aware of a savior without knowing
1: the right words. What about knowing the right God? That I think is kind of the qualifier. I well, that was, that was kind of my question because it made it sound like somebody maybe can't hear that Jesus died for sinners. And if they just call out to whatever it is that they know that they could be forgiven too. And that would be much more of a universalist position than it would be a strictly Christian pe- position that there's only access to the father through jesus the son and if you don't know the son you don't know the father if you didn't know the name of the son but you believed in the son would that still be christianity are you to, we're, we're not talking about the big yellow orb in the sky we're talking about the sun okay i just wanted to make sorry okay sorry no that's right i just didn't i wanted to clarify i i think that uh, whosoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved that you do need to hear about Jesus Christ to understand his death, his burial, his resurrection, so that you can put your trust in him. And the question that that brings up is then, man, what about all of those people who haven't heard about Jesus? There they are. Can't they just grope their way there without him? And I think the answer to the question is, no, they can't. But in truth, they don't actually respond to the calling of their conscience. God is preaching, I think, in several ways through creation, testifying that he exists through their conscience. He's also just embedded a knowledge that he exists in every human being, that there is a knowledge of God in all of us. But they have to be introduced to Jesus Christ. And without that, they can't be saved. That would be my take. Agree? I'm trying to
3: think if it'd be possible to know about Jesus Christ without having been told, just taking with the Papua New Guinea example and so yeah I'd, I think I'd agree I would say
1: have, have you read C.S. Lewis which one well he's written a lot Chronicles of Narnia I've seen the movie I've read Mere Christianity Screw Tape Letters I think that's about it okay um,
3: well in the Chronicles of Narnia in the last book the last battle there's this story where there's the followers of Aslan which is denoted as God uh, and then there's the followers of this God Tash uh, who's the demon And at the end, there is this moment where these people have they've been following Aslan by name, but they have been doing the works of Tash. And there's this one guy who has been following Tash by name, but doing the works of Aslan. And C.S. Lewis writes something that I found very interesting. He says, everyone who does something in Tash's name, but does it for me, they've done it for me. Um. And vice versa and so it's something that i wrestle with or that i think with, think about because what if someone has not heard the exact words jesus christ
1: but they know that god sent someone to die for them to address c.s lewis in the chronicles of narnia um he was pretty widely critiqued for that presentation because There's two issues that I think are problematic with it biblically. One is it does prevent a universalist approach that somebody can believe in God without actually knowing who God is, which every missionary who ever lived would disagree with. That's why they go to Papua New Guinea is to bring the good news to people. Second, in that instance, the issue that is being revealed is the issue again of righteousness and holiness. I cannot do anything good for Aslan. I cannot do anything good for God. My problem is I can't appease or please him. I'm actually, the Bible puts us in two camps, two categories. You're a kingdom of darkness. You're a kingdom of light. You are either a follower of Jesus Christ or you are in bondage to Satan. Those are the two. You worship one or the other. You're not kind of trying to. You're not sort of, and you can't do anything that might appease God. When you're in the kingdom of Satan because everything we do is offered from dirty hands. Therefore, if the if the message that C.S. Lewis was trying to send was that somehow an individual who doesn't know Jesus can still please Jesus because he's trying kind of hard, it fails to recognize that the person actually does not have any good deeds to bring before God. He's unrighteous and he needs forgiveness. So that's that's a that's a problem with that particular presentation. And I grant you, Christopher, it is really hard for us to go, whoa, there's people who have never heard the name of the Lord who can't be saved unless they hear his name. And so the way that I kind of settle and rest in that is they're already being preached at and not responding to their conscience. Here's, here's what people do typically on Papua New Guinea. They create a system They know something's off. So that's their conscience. They look around and they go, somebody had to make, there has to be something bigger than just somebody had to do this stuff. So they get that much. And I feel guilty. I'm going to figure out a way to appease that God. And so they build some sort of a work righteous system where they bring offerings. They bring a sacrifice to the God that they make up in their own mind. Jeremiah talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. And the psalmist was pretty scathing when They described that. So imagine this is an individual who cuts down a tree, takes a piece of wood that can't make its way to the workbench where he carves an idol out of it. And then he uses the rest of the wood to make a fire to make himself a sandwich. But then he has to carry his God to an altar where it can then be worshipped. It's a stump. It's a block of wood. And the people who pursue that become just like them it's foolishness to think that i can create a deity and somehow satisfy the deity that i've created for myself it's just foolishness so the work righteous systems are concocted all over the globe and that's really in a sense what hinduism does buddhism does islam certainly does most jews think that way we're going to do we will do things to appease god that's why the message of Christianity, it's so important. We are on on point with it. No, 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 you can't please God. Jesus did. He's your sacrifice. You surrender your system. You believe in him and his system, and you'll be saved. Without it, you won't. So when I think about those people, I know that God is good. But I also know that they're not reacting rightly to the sermon he's already preaching, which tells me even if I came and preached Christ to them, that they wouldn't be awakened to that because they're not responding to creation and conscience. Is that 100% satisfying? Well, keeping in mind that God is good and that he does what is right and he does give people an opportunity and he does tell us to go and make disciples. So there's some burden on us to bring that good news. I, I can rest in that. That was longer than you're supposed to be able to pay attention to. Do you know that? I I followed. I tracked. You know what really bugs me about your generation is how much my generation thinks so little of your generation. That actually bugs me. Speak more on that. Well, actually, I happen to be a fan of your generation uh, because right now the guys who are standing behind the camera are all pretty much your generation. And I've had to work with them now for a number of years and watch them and do they process the world a little bit differently than i do a little bit do they have different ethics to a degree they do then so we find ourselves i think being a little bit um at odds on some of those issues and that can be frustrating but then when i look at the things that they possess that i don't and if i'm smart i'm going to recognize they actually do a lot of stuff that is super cool that my generation really doesn't do, then I can admire that, appreciate that. And together you can teach me stuff and maybe I can teach you some stuff and we get better together because I actually think there's a lot about your generation that is really, really good. It's
3: good to have a wide variety of ages that you interact with because I can learn a lot from people of my generation, but I can learn a lot from people of my grandparents' generation too.
1: Well, again, you're weird. (laughs) Because <laughs> that's not the toad that you're supposed to have. Sorry, um, everyone who's older than me is dumb. Yeah, well, that's and then and my generation says you punks don't know anything and you're snowflakes, which is a term I really do not like. Why
3: do you not like that term?
1: It's pejorative. It is so degrading. You're like you tender little thing. You're just going to melt. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I just don't like it. I throw it off. I brush the snowflake off. Good on you. But nevertheless, I just don't think it should be put on your shoulder anyway, because you know what? Okay, I felt that way all along. But when I hear then your generation called my generation, Karen, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, okay, come on, hold it. Not fair. I guess so. I work at a brewery and uh, we actually have a beer called Karen next door. (laughs) There you have it. All right, dude, thanks for the chat. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for being um, level headed. And thanks for being willing to actually bring up your Christian faith without really being asked. And for your desire to go into a field to help people is really stellar. And I'm glad I met you today.
2: Hmm. So Todd doesn't like to be called a Karen. You learn new information every day. That's nice to know. It really is nice to know. Okay. Well, hey, what a great and encouraging conversation we just had the opportunity to eavesdrop on. And we're not quite finished. We have even more Witness Wednesday coming up. This is Wretched Radio. What tends to come to mind when you think of heaven? Do you picture pillows of clouds? Fat baby angels? The strumming of eternal harps? Don't feel bad if those are thoughts that you've had over the years, because honestly, the world and the media has portrayed heaven to be just that, cartoonish. But trust me, you're in for much more than that. God has etched eternity onto our hearts because as Christians, we long for heaven. It's our home. Earth is temporary. We know heaven will be our permanent home and our permanent location. And that's why our minds tend to wonder what it will be like. And Randy Alcorn, he's compiled 50 inspiring and thought-provoking devotions that will keep our minds focused on the things above. He covers common questions that many of us tend to have about eating, relationships, pets, working, among other possibilities of what heaven will be like. So do yourself a favor, avail yourself to Randy Alcorn's 50 Days of Heaven. It's available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org.
1: So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're gonna go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. one bible for MediShare.
2: I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched.
4: Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. 2 your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV.
1: Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life.
2: We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org donate. Attributes of God
0: Asserty is the word for God's self-existence. Nobody made God. God is the unmoved mover who causes all other things to be. All things depend on God for their continued existence. God does not need his creation. He chose to create us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. This is Wretched Radio
2: with Todd Friel. And we are back with more Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Todd and the team still roaming around the campus of Kennesaw State University. So let's check back in with them now. There is no chance I'm going to forget this lady's name because
1: it's actually on your jewelry. Thank you for that. That makes life easy. Where are you from, Ashanti?
4: Uh, A little more in Georgia.
1: What are you studying here?
4: Uh, Exercise science.
1: Exercise science, so doing something in the sports industry, working with people to help them feel better.
4: Uh, physical therapy, yeah. and I kind of want to open my own practice and everything.
1: Okay, so you grew up in the South. This is the Bible Belt of America. Did you grow up as a Bible Belter in a Christian home? Yes. What kind?
4: We were Catholic at first, but then we went to Christianity. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny you put it that way, because... Catholics claim to be Christians, but there's there's a big difference. What do you, what do you think the difference is between Catholics and Christians?
4: I feel like Catholic is more strict, and Christian is like more free flowing and transparent.
1: That's pretty accurate. Do you think there's any other differences?
4: Like in my church, we tell we're transparent. We tell the truth how it is and how life and reality and how the world works and everything. So, uh,
1: is Christianity not strict?
4: Um, in a way, depending on like the Ten Commandments, really. So I would say that's the strict part about it.
1: So Ashanti, the difference between Catholic and Christianity. You ready for two two strange words? Here's here's what I think it is. Catholicism teaches something called infused righteousness. But they basically would say it's basically like we're going to we're going to baptize you as an infant and you're going to be righteous. That act, that ceremony is going to make you righteous. And then you spend the rest of your life maintaining that righteousness and doing good deeds. And if you ever goof up, confess it, you'll have to do penance for it. You have to get last rites. But you basically have to keep yourself in good standing with God. It's called infused righteousness. You tracking with me? I'm just telling you that's what they teach. I'm not saying that's what you should believe. I'm just saying that's what they teach.
4: That's not like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that.
1: I'm in that camp too. That's what I think they do. I think you're right.
4: Yeah. God forgives our sins and everything. So it's like everybody's not perfect anyway. So...
1: No, I, I agree with you because what I described, I think it was accurate. You rightly summarized it and said, man, that's a lot of work, yeah. right? I agree with you. That's a works system. Christianity is a grace-based system, forgiveness of sins. And even though we do keep sinning, we're still forgiven because God is that good. Yeah, that's 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 my belief too. So tell me, in your opinion, Ashanti, how does somebody become a Christian?
4: I just feel like you have to believe, really. I believe that seven years old, and, you know, I got baptized and everything. It was like, yeah. I just feel like you have to believe and, like, give yourself to God and trust that, you know, He'll do anything in His power to set you on your path in life.
1: I think believing in God is the exact right thing that we're supposed to be doing. So tell me, do you think people who don't believe the way that you do are wrong?
4: No, everybody has their opinions and facts so that's if that's their opinion, that's their opinion we can still share the same you know land and society.
1: I believe we can definitely get along with each other even though we disagree. But shouldn't we also even if we're like agreeing to disagree, shouldn't we be thinking if you don't believe in Jesus, then you'd be wrong? Mm. You don't have to be snooty about it. But if we believe that Jesus is right, wouldn't that automatically mean other religions are wrong?
4: No, not really, because everybody has their different faiths, different gods. So I just feel like if that's how they show their religion and worship to that God, that's how they should do it rather than, you know, Everybody just not liking each other because of an the opinion they have. So
1: But do you do you think that we can still like somebody and disagree with them? Yeah. I do I do too. That I can disagree with somebody but that doesn't mean we have to hate each other, right? So from my perspective, Ashanti, I would say that if Jesus Christ really lived really died to forgive us of our sins, really rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven, and that he really said, I am the way, I am the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. If that's actually true, then that would mean every other religious system is false.
4: I don't think everybody's religious is
1: false. So you would say that an individual can believe pretty much whatever they want and it's true
4: depending on how if you want to practice that like if that's what you want to transition to that's you know your belief It's not mine so yeah
1: no i i agree i can't i can't make anybody believe anything But I can still lovingly say, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong. I think this is the truth. And we don't impose our views on people. But it's really more loving to say you're wrong, especially if we think that they're in danger of being judged by God, being found guilty. They need Jesus. So it's a loving thing to say, let me tell you why I think Jesus is the truth. And I can do that in a way that isn't off putting or offensive, and we can still get along, right?
4: I agree. We can also go along. No matter, like, if we have disagreements or everything, like politics, religion, we can also get along.
1: Doesn't seem like we do these days, though, does it?
4: No, not really.
1: <laughs> do you think the country is, like, more divided than it used to be?
4: It is. But some of us are trying to come together, but, you know, it's always those people trailing back. Trying to be like, oh, we should be peaceful and unite together.
1: Can I share a way out there thought for you with you, and you tell me what you think of this? All right, you're a different skin color than I am. I'm different than yours. What's the difference between us besides skin color? Um, you're a girl. I'm a boy. Yeah. There's that.
4: Maybe like the background. From where we both came from, I would say that's a different.
1: We have different life experiences, different parents, of course, but we're both humans, Mm -hmm. right? From a Christian standpoint, do you know why we have different skin colors?
4: I really don't know why.
1: It's really cool because there's different skin colors. God scattered people at the Tower of Babel, if you remember that story. And those people went to different places with different languages and some had more melanin some had less. And so we kind of develop different skin shades. But there's a reason for it. And here's what I think it is. When we look at relationships between different ethnic groups, there's just a history of us not getting along. We just, we fight, we oppress, we do cruel things, we think we're better than. And as hard as we try to bridge that divide, it doesn't seem like we can get it done. It just seems there's You know, there's just something that keeps us sometimes at war with one another just because of skin color or shape of the eye. And then we read at the end of the Bible that when God gathers all of his children together, it's just going to be a sea of color. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every skin color, male, female, rich, poor, and he is going to demonstrate I'm the one who can bring everybody together. You guys, you couldn't bring yourselves together, but I can because I bring everybody into my kingdom who repents and puts their trust in me. So we should continue to try to get along. But as Christians, we can look at it and go, God is going to bring us together. God will ultimately bring his children together. And he's going to demonstrate we couldn't get it done, but he could. That's what I think the purpose of different skin colors is. Thoughts?
4: I could see that. makes sense. I mean, God did create us all different, so I could see that.
1: And if you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, then I'm not seeing skin color. as yeah. what I'm just seeing you as a sister in Christ. And we get along swell because we've got something in common that's above both of us. So I think one of the best ways that the racial problem could be dealt with, if everybody believed in Jesus, we were all in the same family, we'd all get along a whole lot better, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but maybe not.
4: Yeah, I don't think so. We all get along around Christianity. Don't think so? Mm, because people, you know, they have their own religion already. So it's like, why take that away from me? And we could still be a unit in society. So not really. It's a yes and a no.
1: Okay, so yeah, see, I kind of I think it does because we realize Really, the only difference between you've got more melanin than I have, that's it. But we're made in God's image. And if we're in God's family together, then you and I are brothers and sisters, and I should be loving you and trying to serve you and certainly not hating you because of a different skin color. That's just not Christian. So I'm of the opinion that Jesus actually can bring warring factions together because we set down our arms, we set down our prejudices, we set down our bad attitudes, our condescending attitudes, and we see each other just as forgiven sinners. In God's family. So I I, I kind of think that that can be a unifier that's greater than, well, pretty much everything else we've tried. Yeah. It's, it's sort of. All right. Hey, thank you for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ashanti.
2: Well, we certainly heard both ends of the spectrum today from a very pre-modern to a very post-modern thinker. I'm telling you, post-modernism is a very dangerous strategy that is being used by the enemy. It is a restrainer, because it convinces some Christians that evangelism isn't necessary. Your truth is your truth, and if it works for you, great, who am I to judge? But Jesus says that he is truth, and there is only one way to the Father, and it is through him and by him. So do not get fooled and sucked in by postmodernism. Truth is truth, whether you choose to believe it or not. Okay, well, another Witness Wednesday in the books. Hope you'll join us again for more Witness Wednesday next week. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.